Welcome to the Genius Women Podcast. I'm your host, Yulia Denisiuk, a published travel photographer and writer, an entrepreneur, and founder of Genius Women. Four years ago, I quit my corporate job to pursue my dreams. And today, I'm on a mission to help other women pursue their creative dreams as well. This is Genius Women, a podcast where we explore living a rich, meaningful, beautiful creative life through in-depth conversations with brave women pursuing their wildest dreams. If you're ready to put your fears and doubts to the side, go after your dreams and step into your brilliance, you're in the right place. Let's go. But before we jump into it, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. The Genius Women podcast is available on all major podcasting outlets, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. So make sure you subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review. It helps us so, so much to get the word out about the show. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please do me a favor and listen to this episode in its entirety. And promise me that at the end, If it was valuable to you, you'll go on your phone or on your computer and leave us a five-star rating and review right then and there while the excitement is fresh. Thank you so, so much. All right, let's jump into it. Hello, friends, and welcome to Genius Women. I am so excited to have you here with us for uh, this journey, and I can't wait to start sharing with you The wonderful stories that we've collected this season, it's going to be just a great uh, journey. But today, uh, in this episode, I'd like to share with you a little bit of my story and what brought me to this point today, sharing with you this effort of Genius Women and to share with you my path and some of the experiences I had along the way of getting here, okay? Let's get started. Hello again, this is Yulia, um, a travel photographer, writer, and entrepreneur currently based in Chicago, although wishing I was somewhere else on this uh, dreary gray day, wishing I was somewhere sunny, somewhere on a beautiful beach perhaps, or a sunlit street, and hopefully one day soon. So I was born in Kazakhstan in a beautiful city of Almaty, which is on the, in southern Kazakhstan on the border with China. It's a beautiful city, one of, my, one of my most favorite cities in the world. It's surrounded by mountains from three sides. Uh, so you can see mountains almost anywhere you stand in the city. It's just a beautiful place. At an early age, I moved to Estonia with my family, which at that time, in the early 80s, in the Soviet Union time, that just felt like we moved across the world, really, because Estonia was so different from Kazakhstan. In the Soviet Union times, the Baltic countries, which are Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, they always felt so different from the rest of the former Soviet Union republics. They always felt more like Europe and less like Soviet Union. And this was an interesting thing about my childhood that really carried through the rest of my life is that I felt from an early age, I felt like I have 
one food in one world and the other food in another world, just because Estonia and Kazakhstan were so different. In Estonia, I didn't feel uh, like I necessarily belonged there because I, I wasn't born there. I wasn't Estonian. I was Russian. So I was part of the Russian diaspora. And I would come to Kazakhstan every summer to see my grandma and the rest of the family. And in Kazakhstan, I also no longer felt like I belonged there because I now lived in Estonia, which was this whole other world. And so I felt that dichotomy from a young age and it never left. In, in fact, it intensified when I came here to the United States and became uh, what we now know as this third culture kid where we don't belong here, but we no longer belong there as well. And so I, I feel that uh, dichotomy strongly. But from an early age, I was just so drawn to stories. I was that kid who walked into the library almost on a weekly basis and walked out of the library with a huge stack of books, taller than the kid. That was totally me. And I could spend hours in the library just reading voraciously all kinds of books. And to this day, the smell of paper books is one of my favorite smells in the world. And I can never bring myself to replace paper books with an electronic reader, although it is definitely more efficient and more comfortable, but I can just never bring myself to do it. And so that was me growing up. I was reading a lot. I was inside my own head a lot. I had a crazy imagination. I was always coming up with all kinds of stories and creating stories for my toys, creating these lives and these worlds, elaborate worlds for my toys. I remember one summer, my mom brought me a, a small paper toy from Kyrgyzstan. It was this figurine of this little guy with a long nose. And I remember to this day that he had peachy pink pantaloons on, a big furry hat with a pointed tip. And I just was so in love with that toy. And I gave him a name. I called him Funduk, which in Russian means hazelnut. And don't ask me why I named him this way. And so I created this whole identity for Funduk. And I created this whole story about who he was. And he was a wizard. I remember that he had magical skills. And so that was me. Growing up in... Estonia in the in the 80s and 90s was a uh, difficult time. It wasn't an easy time, particularly when the Soviet Union fell apart um, in the early 90s. It was a very difficult time for everybody living in that region. Uh, you know, we were going through a transformation. The currency had devalued. And yeah, it was not easy. It was just me and my mom. My mom was working hard. We didn't have a lot, but it, it was a tough childhood, but it was also a happy childhood because I had my books, I had my toys, I had my imagination, and in some ways, that's really all I needed. When I was uh, 10, my dad gifted me my first camera. It was a film Kodak camera. And ever since then, my uh, fascination with photography had started. I remember taking uh, photographs of my friends, of my dog, 
<laughs> mostly my dog. I mean, who am I kidding at this point? The streets of Tartu, which is the town, second largest town in Estonia that I grew up in. And yeah, stories, storytelling from an early age. My imagination was taking me to all kinds of places. And then in the visual way, I started getting interested in photography from about age 10. So that was me growing up in Estonia, probably a childhood like so many others in that period of time, in that part of the world. And on the show, I often ask my guests what it is that they were dreaming about when they were growing up. And for me, there was two things that I was thinking about often. One of them was stories and imagining worlds, imagining different crazy ideas and situations. And the other thing was traveling and the actual physical uh, physical act of traveling. I remember that some of my most favorite things to do in the world at that time were getting on a train in Moscow and taking this five-day journey from Moscow to Kazakhstan all throughout a huge space of first Soviet Union, then what became Russia, and seeing the landscapes change and move in front of me and just having a wonderful time getting to know all kinds of strangers around me and just having so much fun on the train. I looked forward to those train journeys every single summer because they were just the, the most wonderful time. I knew that in some shape or form, I, I wanted that to continue in my life, storytelling and traveling, but I didn't quite have a very firm idea of what to do with that. And the other thing is too, is that because, because as I mentioned, but my childhood was difficult in, in, in many ways. We didn't have a lot as a family. I knew from an early age that I needed to succeed no matter what. I needed to study hard. I needed to have the best grades in school. And that sense of getting a good education and studying hard and working hard was, was part of me from, from an early age. So... That was me. And then the other question that I ask my guests on the show a lot was, was there a pivotal moment when you knew what you wanted to do in life? And interestingly enough, for me, I didn't know that until I got to my 30s, <laughs> which is now. Like I said, I had this idea that I was, I was in love with storytelling. I was in love with taking photos, and I was in love with the physical act of traveling. But this other sense of needing to succeed in life and needing to study hard, that was almost like overpowering that. And, and that's what was driving a lot of my decisions growing up, which I'll get into. But it wasn't until my 30s that I really started to get an idea of what it is that I truly want to do in life. But we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. So growing up in Estonia, this was me. And then my mom, she actually, in the late 90s, she came to the United States. As I mentioned, times were really difficult in, in former Soviet republics at that point. So my mom came to the United States in search of a, a better life 
for our family. And soon after, I joined her. Uh, I joined her and I left Estonia at the age of 16. And oh my goodness, coming here to the United States was just a complete culture shock for me. It was just something so outside of what I was uh, used to, what I knew. I remember seeing the palm trees and the ocean in Miami because I landed in Miami. This was my first point of entrance into the United States. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, do people really live this way? I saw the palm trees. I saw the high rises on the beach. I saw all these beautiful cars. And it it was just such a shock. And it was such a different world from the one that I left in Estonia that... I was really disoriented at that point. I remember also being really confused when people on the streets would ask me or in the stores or in some other settings, people would ask me, how are you? And then they didn't wait to hear what I had to say because I always wanted to respond to how are you with uh, a very substantial answer, but it seemed like nobody was uh, uh, sticking around to hear that. So that, that was a shock for me as well. And goodness, I also remember the exhilaration, just the pure, sheer joy of having my first car here in America. So I was 16 years old and I was driving a 1991 Buick, white Buick, on the streets of Miami that had a broken rear transmission, meaning that I couldn't put it on R and drive out of a parking lot. I, I needed to put it on neutral and push it out of a parking space. That was my car. It also had no air conditioning, which was a little bit challenging in Miami during the summers. But still, it was 100, 100% more than any other kid, any other 16-year-old kid that I knew in Estonia would have. So I was just, I was just so proud and so excited that this was me at, at age 16. And so I uh, came to Miami and I was going to school here and I also started working, which is also another thing that's different from how kids used to grow up in the part of the world where I came from, because we, it was unheard of for teenagers to work in Estonia and in other countries in that region. And here in the U.S., there was actually no questions that when I came here at 16, I started working almost immediately. I started waitressing. I worked as a dental hygienist at some point in my path. And later on, I joined a travel agency and actually had a stint as a travel agent back in the time before Expedia, before Orbitz and all of those online ticket sites that disrupted the travel industry. But yeah, that was me as well. So I had quite a varied career in the first couple of years of coming here. As an immigrant to the US, the pressure of succeeding here and doing all the things that immigrants are supposed to do, which is getting a good education, getting a great job with an amazing salary, lifting your family out of poverty. That pressure was really real. And I felt it almost since the beginning of coming here. And 
to me and I'm sure to so many other people who who come to this country, that was really the promise of America, right? The promise of getting to that level in life where you're comfortable, where you have a good salary every month and you don't have to worry about finances. And so that was the path laid out in front of me and I definitely followed it. I went to college in Miami while uh, working full-time as a waitress and then as a hygienist and then as a travel agent. At 21, I joined the U.S. uh, Navy and spent four years serving in Iraq and Afghanistan. And after I got out of the military here, I really had no idea (laughs) what to do next. I was quite confused at that point. And so I did what I think many of us do when we are not sure what our next step in life should be. I went to graduate school. And so after the military, I got an MBA, Master of Business Administration in Brand Management and Marketing. So in some ways, the path uh, that I took, especially in the early years of being here in the United States is a very, very traditional path in the sense that, again, I was driven by that desire to succeed here in the States, right? No matter what, I have to succeed. I have to get uh, a good education and get a good job, which was just so well, such a well-trodden path for uh, so many immigrant kids. And so by the time I was 30, I have made it. By all accounts, by all external markers, I had made it. I have gotten my MBA and I was working in a top consumer goods company here in the States, a huge corporation in which I was earning a six-figure salary and living a high life, air quotes, you can't see me, but I'm air quoting here. I was living a high life in Manhattan. But what nobody saw in that external facade and in that uh, story was that deep inside, I was actually miserable as hell. I was miserable as hell. It's one of those things where you work so hard for something and you have your eyes on this goal for so many years and then you get there And you think, oh, what the heck? Is this really it? Is this the place where I was working so hard to get to all these years? And realizing in shock that place that you were striving so hard to get to isn't really all that you thought it would be. And this was definitely the case for me. And of course, I'm not saying that that's true for everyone. In fact, I... (laughs) In those years when I was working in corporate, I remember looking at some of my coworkers and thinking to myself, God, why can't I be happy in this job? Why can't I feel content that this is what I'm doing? Because it just sounds, it's actually incredible. If you have a great salary, you have job security, you love what you're doing, It's amazing. (laughs) And I remember thinking, I wish I had that feeling. I wish I was satisfied here. 
but unfortunately i wasn't especially my my latest uh, job in uh, corporate was extremely high pressure job the hours were insane i worked nights and weekends I was always uh, buried in a PowerPoint presentation or Excel spreadsheet or my emails, and I never saw much uh, of anything outside of that work. And like I mentioned earlier, by that point, I was living in Manhattan. I was living in an apartment on Upper West Side, but I, I wasn't seeing any of that. And I wasn't really seeing a city as well, because all of my energy and all all of my attention and everything was focused on the job. And I just remember thinking, God, is this really all there is to life? Like by, by all accounts, again, I had made it. I literally did what the immigrants here are supposed to do. I came to America. I worked all kinds of crazy jobs. I joined the military. I got a graduate degree, started working in these big corporations, earning a big salary. And I just remember thinking, this is not me. This past that's in front of me is not my own. It's someone else's. And it, it looked so great from the outside, but from the inside, oh my gosh, it was really miserable. And I was almost every day I was thinking, I, I can't imagine that this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. That thought made me so incredibly depressed. And the other thing that was happening as I was working in corporate was that I was increasingly becoming obsessed with travel. You know, travel in that period of my life has uh, become this outlet almost, this escape in which I was able to feel alive and real and feeling like I belonged to the world and feeling like I was part of the world because I didn't feel this way when I was working in my corporate jobs. The only time I felt this way was when I was traveling and when I was getting myself exposed to all kinds of different places. You know, travel was always in my life. It started with the first uh, solo trip I took at the age of five, from Estonia to Kazakhstan. And yes, people were able to do that back then. Maybe not so much anymore. I'm not sure about the rules now, but back in the uh, late 80s, you could take your kid and put them on an airplane and someone else could meet your kids in another country without problem. And I know there are these unaccompanied minor uh, uh, rules here in the States as well. But yeah, that was me at the age of five. I flew from Estonia to Kazakhstan and I was incredibly proud for making this trip. You know, growing up in Estonia, I also traveled to many neighboring countries. I went to Finland many times. I went to Poland and Russia and Czech Republic. So travel was definitely present. And when I came to the US, I continued to travel and particularly with the military, which took me to places like Turkey, like Afghanistan, like I mentioned, Iraq, where I served a consider considerable amount of time. I also went to Kuwait and Germany. Uh, while I was in the military. But it was really after the military, when I was uh, going through my MBA program, that this obsession with travel became even stronger for me. I remember going to Japan 
on a during a break one year and I was there with my cohort with my MBA cohort and that trip was one of the most surreal trips of my life and the reason why is because we were about halfway through our trip when the earthquake and the tsunami of 2011 happened and actually we were on a bullet train from Tokyo to Kyoto when that disaster happened. When it happened, our train uh, stopped suddenly and there was all kinds of announcements in Japanese on the train. We had no idea what was going on. There was no announcements in English at that time. And it was just a, a, a big moment of confusion. And I remember an older Japanese gentleman uh, who was sitting in front of me and probably noticing uh, our group's confusion at that time, writing on a piece of paper, there was an earthquake and handing that piece of paper to me. And of course, when we got to Kyoto at the end of the day, which is incredibly surreal to see what happened and to see the devastation that was going on there. But so that was one of the one of the more surreal trips that I took in my life. And then uh, during the MBA, I also went to India and I was incredibly fortunate to spend almost two weeks there with my friends. And I remember making aloo paratas uh, with my, my friend's mom in her kitchen in uh, northern India and just being so happy. And when I started working in corporate after getting my MBA, traveling often and traveling for longer periods of time became increasingly more and more difficult. And I could never wrap my head around that policy in the US of two weeks vacation. It just felt so wrong to me because, I mean, what can you do with two weeks vacation a year? I felt like it wasn't nearly enough for all kinds of explorations that I wanted to see and do in the world. And so there was one trip that I did. I went to China on a business trip as a brand manager. The company that I was working for at the time was starting new operations in China. And so they sent me as their kind of marketing point of contact there. And it was a trip that really, I think, kickstarted this new path for me in many ways. It was my 30th birthday and I decided to extend that trip and travel outside of the province of Guangdong where our trip operations were and just see more of China for a little bit after the business part of the trip was over. And on that trip, I saw how incredibly large and how incredibly diverse China was. And it's just one country out of the world, but how diverse it was and how, how much there was to see in that one country. And I just remember thinking, gosh, I will not have enough time to see all of this beauty and all of this diversity in my lifetime. I remember feeling the sinking feeling that, you know, in a couple of days, I have to come back to work and I have to report back to my desk. At the time I was working in Wisconsin. And I just remember thinking, that, like, how am I going to manage seeing all these beautiful countries in my lifetime? It's, it's not going to be possible if I continue on this path. So I think with that trip to China, something started shifting in me. 
something started shifting. I started questioning increasingly more and more this path that was laid out in front of me, this path of a corporate worker with a great salary, with a two-week vacation in which you're trying to fit in all kinds of trips. In 2015, I found myself in Manhattan working in one of the most prestigious jobs that I could put on my resume at that point, having a beautiful title, having a six-figure salary, and being incredibly broken and incredibly miserable inside. And if you're listening to this podcast right now, and if you're an immigrant to the US or to other Western countries, you will understand probably the dilemma that I was facing internally at that point, because here I was, I made it, I satisfied the expectations that were placed on me. And yet I was just so miserable (laughs) in that situation. And I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know what next step I should take to get myself out of the situation. Because by that time, this was not my first job in corporate. I've switched a couple of companies. I switched a couple of titles and um, teams and projects that I worked on. And so I knew that it wasn't this particular company. It wasn't this particular job. It was this lifestyle. It was this lifestyle that was wrong for me. And I knew that something had to change at that point. The opportunity presented itself at the end of 2015 when my company was, and specifically the team that I was working on, was going through a lot of turmoil. The revenues were declining and the team was going to be restructured. And at that time, I realized that I had a choice. I had a choice. I could either go on this path that was laid out in front of me where I I call up my corporate recruiter and I start looking for another job and, you know, go on the cycle that I was on, or I could try something else. And I did. I took the plunge and I decided that I owed it to myself to see if there was a different lifestyle possible for me. I decided to go for it. Let me tell you, Not once in the four years uh, since that happened have I regretted my decision. Not once. This is a difficult path. This path is not for everyone. And I'm not going to tell you that tomorrow you have to quit your job. You have to forego the security that you are probably having with your job right now. No, of course. I could not tell that to anyone listening. However... For me personally, the decision to forego that security and instead gain adventure, gain creativity, gain freedom of location, freedom of choosing what projects I will work on, freedom of being my own boss, that outweighed the risk of losing that security. You know, for me, 100%, no question asked, Uh, that outweighed the risks. But yes, it is a difficult journey. And this season and in this podcast and on this show, we're going to be uncovering uh, bit by bit all of the pieces that make this journey less difficult and less risky, let's say, 
it's a huge topic and I'm very excited to dig into it. But today I just want to say that I'm not going to tell you that this is easy and you should do it tomorrow because it's not. But for me, it was just something that I have zero regrets about doing. And so fast forward to today and today, four or now almost five years after quitting my corporate path, I am a published, award-winning travel photographer and writer. I've worked with just amazing, amazing brands like National Geographic, like BBC Travel, like Afar Magazine, and many more. I went on assignments to amazing places like Mongolia, Rwanda, Jordan, and I'm just now completely in control of what I'm working on, where I choose to live, how I choose to live, and how my days and my years turn out. And in these past four years that I've been on this path, I pinch myself often because what I do now for a living is something that was in my wildest dreams when I was working uh, in corporate and sitting in my cubicle surrounded by PowerPoint and by Excel. In, in some ways, I still can't believe sometimes that I really get to do this for a living. I get to travel. Brands and tourism companies invite me to their destinations um, so that I could come experience and tell stories about these various destinations. And it's just incredibly satisfying, incredibly uh, rewarding path to be on. And I pinch myself often. I have this quote that I really love from uh, writer Annie Dillard. She says, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. And for me, this was, I think, one of the key drivers behind choosing to quit corporate and choosing to try a different path instead, because I saw so clearly that every single day I was spending being miserable and being in front of the laptop, working on some uh, brand or, or some project for this big uh, corporation. Every single day that I was like that was going to turn into years of spending my time like that. And what I wanted for myself instead was I wanted to spend my days feeling alive, feeling creative, feeling like what I do matters in the world. That was just so, so important to me. And that was one of the key reasons why I decided to take that plunge because the path that I was on, it was just not delivering that feeling for me. So this is where I am now. And with this podcast, with the Genius Women podcast, I am going to share with you all of the insights and everything that I've learned on this path in the coming episodes. Again, I just want to reiterate that this is not an easy path. If it was, many more of us would be choosing to leave that security of having a job behind and really pursuing what calls us more. It's not easy. And especially for women, there are structural, systemic obstacles to prevent women from participating in what I'm starting to call the dream economy. We moved from 
the gig economy to this dream economy where we make a living pursuing our dreams, working on realizing our fullest potential. There are systemic and structural ways in which women especially are prevented from participating in that. And we're going to dig into that as well in future episodes. So there are real issues and real challenges and real obstacles on this path. And they definitely exist. But what I'm here to tell you is that even considering all of that, there is still a way for you to go after your dream. Absolutely. 100%. And what makes it possible is having persistence, having support of a community, having a vision, having clarity, and having focus on what it is that we really want. And if you have those things, it is absolutely 100% possible for you. I have no doubt. And I tell this to my students too, that I have absolutely zero doubt that the dream that you have for yourself is within your reach and is absolutely attainable. There are key things and key ingredients that we need on the road to our dreams. But once we have those ingredients in place, it's absolutely possible. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise, okay? And so this year, in 2020, this crazy, wild, difficult year, difficult for many, difficult for people in the travel industry, of which I am a part of, this year, before COVID started, I began sharing my knowledge of this industry and sharing my experience of walking this path with other people. And in the process of doing that, I saw how many other women out there share similar aspirations, share similar dreams, but also share similar challenges. Because let me tell you, one of the reasons why this path can be so difficult is because, gosh, we put so many, we, we make this path so much more difficult for ourselves than it has to be. We have so much doubt in our abilities. We have so much fear, so much uncertainty on taking the steps toward the dreams that we have. And I think, and I see, I have seen this play out, that women in particular are uh, affected by these issues in a very particular way. And so really, this is why I started Genius Women. This is why uh, this effort is called Genius Women, because I do believe that we are all genius, we are all brilliant, and we have voices that matter and that need to be heard and need to be shared with the world. But because of uh, specific reasons, we are often prevented from doing so. And I was prevented from doing so. In my past, I wasted so much time being anxious, being doubtful, not taking action. It might have taken me much faster to get to where I am today if I didn't have those, those heavy rocks on my back, so to speak, carrying them with me everywhere I go. And so Genius Women is here to help you Drop those heavy rocks as well. This is why I'm here. I'm here to show you that your beautiful dreams matter and your beautiful dreams are absolutely within reach. And we're doing this on this platform through interviews with incredible women. You're going to get to hear a lot of different uh, amazing stories. So get ready for that. 
And we're also doing this through sharing my insights with you, my insights from this path of becoming a travel photographer and writer, of paving my own path, of quitting corporate and figuring this out step by little step. So this is what we're here to do. And if I could quit my job and figure out how to do this with no money, no connections, no experience, no support, no direction, and no community when I started, imagine, this, is, this was me starting out. I had none of those things. Then you can absolutely do it too. And you can absolutely do it much easier and much in a much shorter time if you have some of those things and if you have some of those insights that I'm going to be sharing with you, okay? The other thing that we do at Genius Women is that we teach the ins and outs of the travel journalism industry through the classes uh, that I've created. And we also provide community, support, clarity, and focus. All of those things that I now know you need on this path. I know it because I've lived through it. So we provide those things through our uh, membership, which is called Genius Women The Circle. Genius Women, the circle, and I will link to it in the uh, episode notes as well. And so what I want to tell you is that if I could do it then, four or five years ago, without any of that support, you can absolutely do it now. And I know that we're living through a difficult time. I know, trust me, I, <laughs> we are all feeling the pain of this year, emotionally, physically. Psychologically, the uncertainty, the, the economic uncertainty is just draining. But at the same time, consider that when I quit my job four years ago, the landscape wasn't much easier. It wasn't much easier. After a certain, after a certain point, I, I think no matter, uh, no matter what climate you, you choose to pursue a different path, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. However, again, if you have that support, if you have the insights, if you have clarity and focus on your path, if you believe that your voice matters and your dreams matter, then anything is possible. And I am here to keep telling you that until you are going to believe it, okay? And yeah, COVID has having experiencing the, the global pandemic and experiencing this abrupt uh, stop of the travel industry, which is my lifeline, has been an incredibly uh, difficult experience to go through. I had a lot of assignments lined up this year. 2020 was going to be a big year for me, travel journalism-wise, my career-wise, this was going to be a big year. But in some ways, it turned out to be an even bigger year because in the process, I realized that I have this gift and I'm not afraid to acknowledge that it is a gift. I have this gift of teaching, inspiring and supporting other women uh, in pursuit of their dreams. And I'm so happy that I stumbled, really stumbled uh, upon this knowledge this year and if it wasn't for COVID, it probably wouldn't have happened. So I'm sharing this with you to let you know that in any kind of situation, there is 
always going to be something beautiful that we can take from that. And this global pandemic and, and this uh, situation with COVID is, uh, is no different. And while it seems like the world may be coming to an end right now in many ways, a new world is also emerging in its place. A new world is also emer emerging. This world can be filled with more hopes, more dreams, and more energy to pursue the things that matter to you. And so I feel incredibly hopeful, even in this difficult time, that the possibilities for us to create a new way of living are just limitless. And COVID, in some weird way, has actually let many more of us see that different ways to live are possible, right? Remote work is basically the norm now, which is great news, right? It's great news for so many of us. And we don't have to stick to the old ways of living and working anymore. And for me, this is uh, really the good news and the, and the silver lining in this whole mess and in this whole situation is that realization that uh, we can arrange our lives in uh, much more beautiful and much more different ways than what we're used to, okay? And so I hope you will join me on this journey. And I hope that today's episode has given you a little bit of a uh, taste of what has led me to this path of to this path and to this place uh, uh, in which I am uh, now and today. And in the coming episode, we're going to be interviewing all these incredible, amazing women. And I will also be sharing with you more insights that I've gained from the past four years of going after my dream in the hope that it will inspire you to start uh, getting closer to living your dreams as well and pursuing your dreams and not being afraid to take action on your dreams. Even amidst all this craziness of 2020 that we're finding ourselves in, I am incredibly excited that you're joining us for this journey and I can't wait to share more with you. There is lots more to come, so stay tuned and I will see you very, very soon. Thanks again for spending your valuable time with me today. I hope you found it helpful. And if so, please consider subscribing to our show so you never miss an episode. For this episode where I shared my story with you, I want to say thank you to the people who have supported me and believed in me throughout my journey. That's my English teacher in Estonia, Olga Sharova, my amazing colleagues in Wisconsin, Keegan Coulter, Ben Lonicky, and Julia Hartono, and my incredible friends from all around the world, Diana Mishiva, Aisha Khan, Chila Dali, Samin Bayat, Kirtana Srinivasan, Oscar Lam, Beryl Sonmes, Alla Smith, Kartika Gupta, Carrie Lyman, Ferry El Temmar, Milana Dostanich, Madhu Mohan, Jeff Hitner, Tohan Kiyo, Viba Chokani, Kim Vi Hoang, Humam Malhas, and of course, my mom and so many, so many others. If you're a new listener, thank you for checking out the show. And don't forget, you can find all the resources, links, and show notes over at GeniusWomen.com. That's women with an X. 
So if there was something you wanted to check out, you can always, always find it over at GeniusWomen.com. That's women spelled as W-O-M-X-N. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time, where I interview a travel journalist and editor-at-large for Afar Media, Ashley Halpern.